I saw something really funny recently, and it said that uh, uh, it was a tweet about rec- when you record a Zoom meeting to your computer. That's like the most difficult thing to find after after you record it. It is where it's like, kind of hard. The default, the default, yeah, the default location to where it stores it. It is, it is deep. Yeah. Need a Chilean miner or something to help get it. Too soon, Brian. <laughs> but good miners. I just know that. Yeah. They're great at going down the hall. I, I work with a woman from Chile. Yeah. Chile seems like a fast, fascinating country. It does. I mean, it's like it's Pacific. So like they have tons of um cross trans-Pacific uh commerce with New Zealand and Australia. It's you know, it's they've got mountains on one side of the narrow of the this narrow strip of land and they got ocean on the other. I don't know I don't know what the ocean's like, but I assume that it's like Cold. Brazil without the crazy. What's what's the mountain range they've got? Is it is it the Andes? Is it the Andes? I always forget. I was about to say the Pyrenees, but that's definitely in Europe, so it's not that one. I was thinking about the woman that I work with from Chile, and 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 suddenly the Grand Tetons came to mind. But I I don't know. That could just be some cross circuitry. So anyway, I was just saying, if Jimmy Smith opens up a Dave and Buster type of restaurant, Brian's Brian's investing. Dave and Smith. <laughs> what? what did you say? Dave and Smiths. Is it Smiths and Busters? Buster Smith. That could be a good name, a nickname for him. Yeah. In your next in your next fan letter, why don't you suggest that? Dear Jim. actually listener al had another amazing story so he was like he was like just a he was just a kid and uh he gets invited to this uh thing and it's uh i mean he's like a teenager and he had like his little sister with him and somehow he gets invited to this um uh what it was was like uh Hispanic Film Festival or Mexican American Film Festival, but uh, Edward James Almos, who is an actor of some acclaim, and, and uh, you remember he, he he was in that movie, and I'd be surprised if any of us saw it. It was supposed to be like really rough, really accurate and violent, called uh, American Me, something like that, where he's like a Cholo crime lord in prison. So I mean, it's like a lot of things. I, I I don't really see prison movies. Like the only prison movie I'm even is like The Longest Yard. The Adam Sandler um, one. Mm, I would prefer the Burt Reynolds one. 
It didn't really sound like Burt Reynolds. That sounded like the Joker. I was about to say, <laughs> Jack Nicholson wasn't in the young, Longest Yard. Yeah. Anyway, I don't really like prison movies. Um, I don't want to ruin the surprise for when I get there. Um, <laughs> but but uh, so, you know, there, there are these kids at this uh, film festival and these big shots and everything else. And they're like, they're kind of being wallflowers and they're off to the side. So Edward James almost goes up to these two kids, including listener Al, who's of course a grown man now. And he says, hi, my name's Ed. And he like introduces himself. And he, I thought that was like the coolest thing. First of all, hi, I'm Ed, instead of hi, I'm Edward James almost. And second of all, that he, you know, he would just like give the time of day to these two, you know, teenagers who are, manifestly out of their element i thought i don't even know if al told me or if if he did i don't remember i mean what the the whole conversation i mean to the extent that they had a conversation you know i mean you could see being a kid and being kind of starstruck i'm not sure that i could talk to ed almost without sounding like a goober because that would really be a switch, huh, fellas? Me sounding like a goober. I uh, that that kind of reminds me of a story that uh, Ricky Gervais tells. And I, listen, I'm no big fan of Ricky Gervais, but I thought that this story was kind of funny. This is that uh, he was at a party. I mean, he's certainly not in like Charles Grodin, Jimmy Smith's territory, as far as my list. No, actually, nor mine, though he did arguably say the funniest thing that's ever been spoken. It was that about party? James Corden. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it was at a, he was at, uh, Ricky Gervais was at a party and uh, Madonna was there and she comes up to him and she says, I'm, I'm really a big fan of yours. It's nice to meet you. And he turns to her and says, and you are? I hate Madonna and this oh. is I think this is the tone I want to set I don't like her music I have I mean she's got like a couple of good songs uh she's terrible she she's she's exhibitionist in like all the worst ways I mean assuming that you get into show business to uh be the center of attention to you know whatever let your light shine or whatever she doesn't have that great of a voice her her I mean, what was she? A, what you think she has a great voice? What you think she's got an Ella Fitzgerald level voice? Really? You think 500 years from now, people are going to be like saying, "Oh, you gotta listen to this. This is called Lucky Star." Sounds like an angel. <laughs> hey, also, also, let's face it. I mean, she's 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 a prostitute. She takes her clothes off for money. That stupid sex book in the early 90s should be ashamed. Her parents should be ashamed. She's terrible. Okay. I mean, there was like that, there's supposed to be scandalous when she kissed Britney Spears. And like guys like Jim Rome were like, <laughs> Britney Spears kissed her grandmother on the Grammys or something. Uh, 
you know, and, and I mean, like so many other recording artists, they she hasn't done anything of merit. You, can you even tell me what something that she's put out in the last 20 years? Okay, so no. why are we still so why why would anybody talk about her? Why would anybody give a fig about Madonna? Okay. I mean, she's not even married to Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie's career is hotter than McDonald's than McDonald's, but then than Madonna's. <laughs> and another thing, okay, and this is changing it up a little, but I want to say I hate Steely Dan. I hate Steely Dan. All right, they're, 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 they're talked about as masters of erudition and wit. Well, those people can just kiss me if they think that, okay? These guys, Steely Dan, were like, they're like, like the Ikea furniture of, of, of recording, okay? It was, it, was, it was all engineering and nothing to it, okay? They... It was two guys, it was Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, and they would just bring in studio musicians. They were, they were never really a band. It was just the two guys, okay? So there was no continuity. There was no sense that like, yeah, we're a rock and roll band. It's like, no, we're the poo, take a sniff. And if you're good enough, you can come play with us. And so like part of their process is that they would have guys come in and like play and like lay down a bass lick. And if they liked it, they'd use it and record it. And like, here's a check. And then if they didn't like it, you know, it's like, okay, next, you know, what will you be performing for us today? Rob, Robbie Dunsmore. So, so we know you're not a fan of Madonna or Stevie Dan. Yeah, and in fact, I'd like, I'd kind of like to do a speed round. I want you to keep throwing things at me because no, I am, I've got the, I've got the vitriol flowing today. Yeah. So my, my wife, I was just going to ask you, what, what's your thoughts on the, the very famous jazz band from the cantina scene in uh, Star Wars episode four? <laughs> okay that was ridiculous i remember i remember when that was turned into a disco hit in <laughs> in like 77 so you couldn't go to the pizzeria without some knucklehead playing that and a fifth of beethoven which is uh some disco producer uh putting out Beethoven's fifth, but it was like that. It was like that. It was terrible. You know, but I mean, there's, I mean, it, it was a terrible jukebox in a, in a generally terrible um, uh, time for music. The late 70s, it's like pop drivel into disco is what you were hearing on the radio now i mean there was some great stuff coming on the ramones were recording uh you know a lot a lot of the bands that i like the most were putting out records but i hear i am here to tell you you didn't hear them on the radio in the midwest and in denver which at that time uh might as well have been the midwest so no i didn't like the cantina scene in fact you can still find 
like that, like the disco hits uh, inspired by the John Williams soundtrack to the first Star Wars movie called Star Wars, Paul. Next. <laughs> Brian, your turn. <laughs> is, there, is, there, is there any, uh, anything else that you, any other relevant pop topics that you'd like to share your thoughts with us on? <laughs> I was, so I was at a, I was at a dinner party a couple of weeks ago. Mrs. Winger had to work and uh, my friend Vic had smoked a brisket and it was lovely. And they had probably, well, two other, there were two other couples plus Vic and his wife. And, uh, you know, so I was batching it, but no problem. But they like all, they kind of like, at one point they were like picking on me. Cause like, everybody's like asking, well, do you like, do you like this? Do you like this person? Do you like this person? And I'm like, you know, the, be the, the best I could do is like, mm, you know, I don't know. They're okay. You know, I mean, I've actually mellowed. All right. I, I, I mean, I don't just like fire off. They stink unless, unless. We're talking about Steely Madonna Dan. and Steely Dan. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, you know, but, you know, my friend Vic, and I mean, this guy is my brother. He is my brother from another mother. I mean, he's a noble, great fellow. And he asked me, what, what about Michael Buble? And I'm like, Michael Buble? He's like, a, he's like a Sinatra cover band. Why would anybody in the world listen to Michael Buble when they could listen to Sinatra? I mean, you got the Sinatra recordings, just listen to the Sinatra. And they're like, well, you know, Sinatra's dead. I'm like, well, what? That doesn't that make any sense. I mean, we, you're not inviting them to dinner and Michael Buble's not coming to dinner. Yeah, I think, so for me, I, I think Buble has a good voice, but I agree the lack of originality in music generally, I think is, is, is a problem. If you look around at what is being played, a lot of it is, is co either cover stuff or just very generic to me, to my opinion. So my, my next question to you, Jack, was what would you say was the, would you say was the best decade for music? I so appreciate you're a big Springsteen fan, but what was the decade that you could say, yeah, generally music was pretty good? There's always gonna be bad music, whichever decade you go to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'd put it that way. Um, there was, oh God, what was I looking at? You know how I, I started watching something and it was from, it was from the eighties and it was just excruciating. And you, you, you know, like I said, you know, they, they had those synthonic drums and synthesizers and everything. So no matter, no matter, oh, you know what we watched? Okay, so the other night, so so this was like on Showtime or Paramount Plus because those are two that we kept. And uh, Tough Guys, which was Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas late in their career. I was so excited to see this because I, you know, I like both of those guys and, um, uh, I, I remember seeing it when it came out in 1986, 
but I hadn't seen it since then. And I had thought about renting it or buying it and just never got around to it. And I'm glad I didn't because we watched it the other night for this part of the streaming. And also it wasn't very good. It wasn't as good as I remember. So uh, the, the thing is both of these old men um, looked fantastic for, for their age. Now they weren't, they weren't ancient, but um, they weren't, they weren't young. I, I think I did the math. I think uh, Burt Lancaster was born like maybe just ahead of my grandfather's so or like 1913. This would have been made in 86. So that would have made him 72, 73, right? 73. Um, and, you know, still, still look good, you know? Um, Kirk Douglas looked really good. You know, he, he lifted weights. The young Dana Carvey was in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, there was a guy, there's a guy named Jake something, and he had uh, some workout videos. Uh, this, uh, this Jake, uh, I, I don't know his last name, but he, he was the weight trainer who got Harrison Ford into shape for uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or uh, was it the second one when he was like all beefed up? Was it was it the Temple of the Skull, um, Temple of Doom, and the Crystal Doom? Yeah, like he was like uh, he like he had like a fitness program, like Body by Jake. That was kind of a big thing for a while. Hmm. You remember Body by Jake? I do. Yeah. So he had he had a small role in it. He was like kind of like the enforcer at the retirement home. <laughs> and that was truly ridiculous. So, so anyway, uh, throughout this, throughout, throughout the Tough Guys movie, when like these two old men are going to uh, uh, rob a train in 1986, uh, just the, the the music was it was just like and it was it was it was a nightmare it was terrible i mean just they just said okay you know the you remember the saturday night live sketch uh more cowbell i swear to you that there, there were, there was somebody in the recording booth and everything in the seventies saying, "We need more electronic drums. <laughs> we need more synthesizer. It's horrible." Anyway, Paul, I'm not sure I can answer your question. I mean, you know, I think guys older than me like to say the sixties. You know, I, I do think the seventies had a lot of really great music, but they had a lot of horrible music too. The eighties had some great music, but a lot of it came out really bad um you know the 90s were kind of the last gasp um but you know a lot i mean a lot of that stuff sounds decent to me now you know i don't know that uh even flow is the subversive thing that i thought it was 
at the time, at the time, uh, Brian's sending me pictures that deserve to be in our show notes. Um, you know, in in early in the early nineties, um, I think I think it was Grail Marcus, who was a writer for Rolling Stone, but he wrote what turned out to be a pretty important article for Esquire magazine, and he he pinpointed was it ninety one when um, Nirvana's Nevermind plus was it. Was it Jay-Z or Dr. Dre who put out? Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre put out, what was that, Chronic or the Black Album? The, the Chronic. The Chronic Black Album? <laughs> no, no. Well, I think it was the Black Album. The Chronic came out. Or did he, do, he did a Chronic and Chronic Part 2, I thought, actually, didn't they? Yeah, Jay-Z did the Black Album, which came out way later in the 2000s. 2000 okay okay yeah okay so it was the chronic and it was dr dre yeah and it it changed hip-hop right it changed the face of music and the genre i mean it set the agenda for the next 10 years yeah yeah i mean it, it 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 got a ton of radio play it was it was hugely popular and it was you know, one of those things that uh, that that took it from its niche audience into something a lot bigger. So, okay. And then I think, as I recall, uh, the other the other album was maybe Madonna's. Would it have been Erotica? Uh, that came out about the same time as her sex book. And just how how these artists are... Okay, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, as much as I um, uh, regard uh, Madonna with vehement approbation, uh, uh, she did kind of get the ball rolling, didn't she? With like the backup singers and like the big production numbers, right? I mean, she was doing that. No, was it anybody else doing that before? And now all the chick singers working today, including Taylor Smith, Taylor Swift, who wouldn't have to rely on it because she's a, she's a songwriter of, of, uh, of, of note, of acclaim. Uh, she puts on that same sort of like Vegas-like extravaganza with like fly girl knockoffs, um, you know, dancing back up. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a show. It's it's a, it's an arena. And then, yeah, and they become a feature, right? I mean, like I know, I think it was Beyonce's backup singers. They had a name for their little group. And I think that was that that's become quite a thing now, like that you have a set of backup singers that have their own sort of like place within the band, within the group almost. So yeah, it's a it's a much bigger thing. Back I can't remember whether or not Madonna started that, but yeah, I'm sure she did. I wanna Just, go back to I wanna go back to something interesting that, that Jeff had said about tough guys. Uh the the 
Jake, the, the guy who ran security at the uh, retirement home, uh, his name was Jake Steinfeld, and he's actually the uncle of Haley Steinfeld, who was in the movie True Grit <laughs> and other things. No way. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy. She also plays in the new Hawkeye in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, really? <laughs> you can talk for like two hours without stopping about Star Wars. But you say anything <laughs> about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you just go, you just go ice cold. <laughs> I didn't realize that she was also in Bumblebee. Okay, interesting. Oh, yeah, she's been in I'm sorry, did you say Bumblebee? Yeah. Transformers? It was a Transformers spin-off movie. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but he just said it funny because he's a foreigner. <laughs> what's 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 the Welsh term for bumblebee? Uh, uh, buzzy buzz. <laughs> buzzy <Buzzity> sting sting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so have you no, seen? I, I I don't think we I don't think we redo I don't think we redo uh, material. Uh, hey, you know what though? I, um, I should. I, I was listening to the other one, uh, the other one, and uh, that whole thing. Uh, you know, I was making a point about science fiction and like how you go with it until you, until they do something really stupid within the boundaries that they themselves have established. And I and I re referenced the Seinfeld bit about the other comedian. And no, I object to it as a comedian. That was actually a point made by a podcaster and a writer and public intellectual Jonah Goldberg. So I stole that, but uh, I didn't mean to, and I'm giving credit now, just just in case uh, one of our one of our handful of listeners is Jonah Goldberg's attorney. <laughs> so. Fellas, okay, so I told you that I was at, at Friends and they were being mean to me and they're asking me, you know, do you like Phil Collins? No, what's wrong with you? You know, that sort of thing. And no, wait, are you looking at me like you're shocked that I don't like Phil Collins? Listen, I don't love Phil Collins, but I think that he's a pretty good musician. He had a great run in the 80s. I mean, and I think Phil Collins is totally respectable. I think it's fine. I mean, I don't hate Phil Collins, though. Tell me how often you need to hear S -S -S Studio. Studio. I, I, I never, I never liked S Studio. Nor so. do I. Well, so there you go. So what do you want to hear? The Tarzan soundtrack. <laughs> I was you, just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to hear There Must Be Some Misunderstanding? Which is Genesis, <laughs> but still. Yeah, that's not a bad song. I th and and here's the thing. Here's the thing about Phil Collins is, is that it, you have the rare occurrence of somebody who's accomplished as a drummer who's also a pretty good lead singer. And like like people recognize him as being an excellent drummer or used to. I don't I don't think he really mm -hmm. plays much anymore. But yes, everyone says he's in terrible failing health. I mean, which is just amazing for a 70 something year old rock star. 
<laughs> I just saw a video of Keith Richards in, uh, in, in Italy. Was gonna bring up he was in Milan. <laughs> so the Stones play Milan, and he comes out and he starts dropping Italian, like with the accent, like he speaks it like pretty good. And the crowd's going crazy. And he was just like, I mean, this is a guy who can't be understood in English, and now he's like speaking fluent Italian <laughs> to Milan. And uh, and it was it was unbelievable. So uh, yeah, you can't go by Keith Richards. But um, uh, no, I, look, I don't have I, look, I don't have a problem with Phil Collins. But I mean, if you try to put on like an entire Phil Collins playlist, you're probably going to hear about it from me because there's a lot of there's a lot of fluff, there's a lot of treacle, a lot of sappy stuff. Um, and I, and I actually like the Against All Odds soundtrack. What's that? Take a look at me now. I actually yeah. like that. But, but I mean, I don't, but I like it like once a year. Okay. So, Paul, I can't answer your question. Um, if I, you know, I, I guess I would, I would go with the 70s, but I would need a, several red pens to, to, you know, edit out Disco Duck and uh, Mr. Jaws and just all the, you know, Billy Don't Be a Hero and most of the Carpenters, you know, I just, I just wouldn't need it. I want to teach the world to sing. Um, most, most of the Elton John catalog I could actually see, see, here's what happens. If my dog hears me say Elton John, she loses her mind. It's like there's a squirrel lost, loose in the house. Uh, what, okay, are, so that's what that's about. Any thoughts on Joan Baez? Hey, Joan, what do you think of human rights in Vietnam now? That's what I think of Joan Baez, okay? <laughs> Meanwhile, Paul Googles June Baez. <laughs> <laughs> it's not spelled like it sounds there, Paul. Just, just so you know. Oh, was it, is it in the Welsh spelling? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Wikipedia article um, <laughs> redirects from commie propagandist. Uh, actually, actually, um, Sometimes I like Joan Baez in uh, Martin Scorsese's. Uh, okay, here's the thing: she she has a lovely voice, but don't let her pick out her own songs because she's a communist. The other thing is, um, she's actually she's actually kind of funny and she's kind of tough. So like, uh, I think Bob Dylan like broke her heart and then maybe publicly humiliated her somehow. I don't know. There was like a really um, there was a really a book that was very critical of Dylan called Positively Forced Street, uh, which is the name of one of the songs, uh, where I don't know, it was like a bad breakup and like their friends thought that Dylan was a jerk. So whatever. But um uh when you know, you know, they've they've sung together since, they've done stuff together since, they've talked since. And uh in uh Martin Scorsese's excellent documentary, No Direction Home, about Dylan. 
uh, they interviewed Joan Baez. And so like, here's like this hippie chick sitting in her like Taos, New Mexico, uh, you know, it's like got the, the Indian tapestries and pottery and it's like the super expensive, you know, uh, uh, sofa, you know, with like the, you know, the timbers, you know, and, and, and the whole thing. And it turns out that Joan Baez has got a mouth on her. Because, and uh, she kind of talks like a longshoreman. And so, and she seems like she's ready to take it outside. So, uh, you know, look, I ain't scared of Joan Baez, who's probably not a very large 75-year-old woman. Um, and, you know, she wants to fight me about uh, calling her a communist. She's welcome to. Um, but, I mean, uh, that that's the thing. That's the thing. Bottom line, what, what do you think of Viet, what, just What do you think of human rights in Vietnam today? Okay, there we go. That's all I got. That's what I think of Joan Baez. You know what Jim Webb said about John, John, Jane Fonda? So this is kind of amazing. Could, could you hear? Could you hear the? Could you hear that pour into my glass? We did. It's not liquor. It's not liquor, Brian. <laughs> Our listeners don't know that, but uh... <laughs> well, the listeners can use their imagination, but I, I imagine they are anyway. Mm -hmm. so so jim webb said he okay so so for a while in the 80s uh, i was working out with um a former combat marine who lived up the street from me um but we would like like loosen up with some aerobics and his wife had the jane fonda uh workout and when i told my buddy my buddy Joe Saya, that we that we had worked out to Jane Fonda, and I didn't have a strong opinion on her then, but Joe Saya did. He's like, "You've got to be kidding me! This guy was a Marine and he was working out to Jane Fonda." Well, because Jane Fonda went to Hanoi, sat in a Viet Cong, in a in a North Vietnamese Army tank and waved the North Vietnamese flag, okay? So, you know, uh, flags are flags, but, you know, maybe not all created equal when one of the flags wants to round everybody up who isn't for them and put them in a re-education camp. So, so um, Jim Webb <laughs> said, I wouldn't cross the street to watch Jane Fonda slit her wrist. <laughs> wow okay so you have some opinions okay jim jim webb from the nightingale song yeah yeah i, I was thinking about uh, joan baez and uh, she was the, the subject of the funniest joke on 30 rock that i don't think we can say here really after really I don't remember the joke. I really don't. It was uh, the setup was that they were going to, you know, a cable town was going to start releasing an edition of stamps with uh, featuring Jerry Garcia on them. And uh, Jack Donaghy's <laughs> made a reference to if I <laughs> wanted to lick the back of a hippie. 
I'd start returning Joan Baez's phone calls. <laughs> oh, now we may need to cut that. I don't know. We'll see. No way. No way. Come on. All right. So, so at this party where everybody's like throwing uh do you like do you like this guy do you like that guy and you know like no not really why why not why not it's like then it's like gotta like okay well wait all right well gather around children and you shall hear you know why i think lionel richie is hard on my ear billy ocean uh one hit wonder Caribbean queen? No, 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 no. It's like if Philip Michael Thomas, if Philip Michael Thomas could have sang, all right, he, he, he would have been Billy Ocean, okay? Same thing, all right? Like come up out of Florida, put on some pastels and get idiots. You know, you know one of the things little Steven said in his book is... Uh, is that the eighties were just the pinnacle of people buying records. People bought records hand over fist. I, I mean, I know I did. I mean, every, you know, so I, I've just recently learned of this thing called saving money and compound interest because I mean, my entire youth was spent just burning money on, on records until I got, until I got married. And then, you know, it was harder and harder to, to justify the expense um uh so i don't know if i if i mentioned but i was very excited and we got the merch so i took it to my friend victor's brisket party right i just kind of wanted to show everybody off okay so it turns out there were three couples and all three of the ladies bought the tanks there you go and and then they started calling it a pampered Jeff party. <laughs> that sounds amazing. You need to market that. Uh, the people at Twidprint think so too. <laughs> Go to our website, pamperedjeff.com and order. No, that's not. <laughs> um, it's managing expectations podcast.com oh so um I, I actually reached out to all of them because we did get some feedback that maybe uh the tanks weren't fitting great uh ryan how, how are they fitting there at uh stately grim manor just fine everything's fine everything's fine okay um so so this may have just been like a one-off or something i don't know um anyway everybody seems everybody seems happy with it now um but we got the posters in and i'm telling you so so we have we have uh some on matte paper and then another one on a gloss paper and apparently the gloss isn't like as artistically high 
brow. It's, you know, it's not something that the esthetes like, but I'll tell you what, it looks great. <laughs> the gloss looks great. So we've got those that, and they're signed and numbered, um, the 35 bucks and I'll ship them to you. So, um, check, check out the website, uh, managing expectations, podcast.com. Uh, cause it's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. No, and nobody, and all we're doing is breaking here's, I swear this is the thing we're, we're breaking even. We think it's a really cool image. We think it's a cool piece of art that we're using as our logo. And while it continues to be adjusted and uh, fine tuned, um, ultimately um, we just want to make it available because we think it's really cool. Fellas, any thoughts? Yeah, it's, I think, I think it looks great. I think the colors look great. Um, and uh, people who see the logo, it's, it's interesting. It's something that, uh, that uh, people will comment on. So get a shirt, get a poster. You'll be happy. And I'll tell you what, I'll throw some stickers in for nothing. There you go. That's how I roll. Um, Paul, do you have anything to say about MrsWinger.com? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Uh, MrsWinger.com uh, for all of your bowl cozy needs. Uh, bowl cozy, for those who are uneducated that listen, uh, is something that you put your bowl on top of, inside. In the microwave it goes, heat up your piece of food, take it out, no more burning fingers. That's the key message. Bowl cozies protect the little pinkies. Did you say the little piggies? Pinkies. <laughs> In America, the toes are the little piggies. <laughs> well, I call this a waste little, jacket. This little piggy had roast beef. This little piggy had none. Did you ever yeah, do that? Yeah. No. No. Ryan, anybody in your family ever do uh, this little piggy? Oh yeah, that was big. That was that was big. <laughs> well, it would have been on your mom's foot. Wow. <laughs> no, that's uh, that, that's what we did. But those were much simpler times. Now, of course, we go to Dave and Buster's on Friday nights instead of <laughs> playing 10 Little Piggies. <laughs> Where the kids have an app on their phones that allow, allows them to play this little piggy on. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, okay. What else? Oh, uh, when in Denver, or even if you're not, check out. Uh, All in a Dream Comics and Books, 3115 East Colfax Avenue. Uh, Ray will get you taken care of. You can check out things at uh, allinadream.us. Um, great, great, great selection of uh, graphic novels. Uh, the ones to read, the ones to collect. You know, I've got some Jack 
Kirby, a couple Jack Kirby omnibuses that look like, you know, the family Bible from 1885, you know, it weighs about 45, 45 pounds. Um, anyway, it's, you know, printed on beautiful paper and it's, it's, you know, it's a different kind of work of art. It's, it's not the sort of, it's, it's so big, it's hard to like curl up and read it. It's like, you got to have a spotter. <laughs> Get it? Like like lifting weights. Yeah, got it. Do you also come with the accompanying Jane Fonda soundtrack? What the accompanying Jane Fonda soundtrack? Yeah, to help you lift the weights of the book. Oh, I got it. See, this is what happens when we let the guy talk. I mean, it's just. It, sound, it sounds great, but all right. Anyways, um, Brian, uh, what do you think of Chris Levine's podcast? I haven't, I haven't listened to it this week, um, but uh, there's no reason to believe that it isn't amazing. So um, I doubt that he's fallen off uh, from the, what, the, the consistent uh, great consistent stuff. Consistent level of excellence. Yeah. So uh, that can be found at uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what Chris, is it again? Chris, uh, I was getting there. Chris Levine's. In <laughs> journalism, there's a thing called burying the lead, Brian. In storytelling, there's a thing called the setup. <laughs> Chris Levine's yeah. refresher pop culture therapy podcast check it out it's yeah, very good yeah awfully so good so good uh see anything else oh hey so i i bought the domain to uh wingerabstracts.com to sell some paintings that's great i'm probably making a mistake having three different websites three different domains for me mrs winger and the podcast Seems like we probably could have put them under one big commercial umbrella. No, I mean when you when you when you want to buy something from Unilever, you don't go to Unilever.com and look at like Coke products and soap, <laughs> right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Does Unilever own Coke? I think they do. Did I ever tell you guys about the time I went to Coke? toured the coke factory hmm. Is that in Atlanta? So we, yeah it's in atlanta we went to the uh, corporate head headquarters um uh this was the second corporate tour that we took in atlanta the first being cnn hmm. uh this is probably like 2000 or so so we we went to the coke museum and library took the tour you know blah 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 they, you know, they really downplay the fact that there used to be cocaine in it. Okay, whatever. Um, you know, but before it was the pause that refreshes, it was the pause that gave you a little, little jolt, a little, a little goose to get through the rest of your day, if not your week. Okay, so quick correction here. They do not own Coke. They do own Ben and Jerry's. 
which is hilarious. But Unilever is owned by Ben and Jerry's. No, Unilever owns Ben and Jerry's. Right. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. So they obviously let Ben and Jerry say any stupid thing that comes into their mouth. They, they, they must have a pretty kind of a long leash. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, it sells ice cream. So I think it's all that Unilever cares about. It, it keeps, it keeps the customers loyal, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, oh, so we go to the Coke. Okay. So it's like 20 bucks to go through the Coke tour, which I think is kind of outrageous. Like, honestly, it's a prop. It, it's like a corporate propaganda tour. You should let me go for free or even pay me. Okay. But so no, we pay and we go through. And so like you get to like, the big payoff after whatever you walk through the historical room and then you like see the bats and whatever and uh you end up in a room where they sell coke products from all over the world so i mean like just crazy stuff like like squid fanta from the philippines or you know banana fanta from africa and i mean it's just just all sorts of exotic but local tastes are represented. And I got in there and I'm like, all right, now it's time to even the score. It costs me $20 to get in here and I'm not leaving until I drank $20 in soda. <laughs> so essentially, okay, you remember when you're like a kid and you like made a suicide by putting a little bit of everything in? Yep. Uh, oh, I don't know if you have. I don't know if you have suicide in the UK. We didn't uh, call it suicide, but we we did we did that. Yeah. What, what what did you call it? I'm just curious. Um, I honestly couldn't remember. But I remember me, me and my brother would regularly be mixing all sorts of concoctions that we could. Yeah. So that was. I think that's just a, a a part of childhood. It seems pretty universal. Brian, in, in my family, we called it. Brian, would you knock it off and get back to the table? <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, I'm not mixing in the in the cups. You know, they give you like these little disposable cups. Um, I'm not mixing in the cups, but in my gut, there's like sodas from all over the world just just piling up. And then they had this thing, and this was pretty incredible. They had this like it looked like something out of like Willy Wonka or something where like you would like push a button and then like uh, the exact right amount of liquid would like start going through a tube and through a hose and you would like follow it as it ran, ran circles across the ceiling and it would come out down a chute and it would view across in like this incredible arc okay from like what i mean i bet it was 25 feet i'm not it was unbelievable and it would like land in a dixie cup in like this like teeny little plastic cup without without missing a drop it was amazing so i did that about a hundred times <laughs> <laughs> 
And long story short, I was pretty sick when we left, but I got my $20 worth. <laughs> Just so the people in Coca-Cola know who, what kind of man they're dealing with here. Jeff's revenge on Coca-Cola. This two, this is, what is this? Is this three weeks or two weeks in a row that you told stories about you being sick? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you start playing Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I'm going to be sick right now. Teach, teach your children well. Sentimental weasel Graham Nash. Our house is a very, very, very fine house. Shut up. Shut up. Nobody believes that. You know, you... <laughs> orgiastic twerp going, <laughs> going on drug-fueled, you know, vendors taking off with Mickey Dolan's into like, like the, to Santa Barbara. Mickey Dolan. And what's the soul patch? What's the soul patch, Graham Nash? Hey, leave the monkeys out of this. <laughs> You're going to tell me not to speak ill of the dead? Right. Let's see. Did Mickey, Mickey Dolan's died, right? So I think Peter Tork is the last, last living monkey. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah well, all good things must end. And maybe even this episode of the Managing Expectations podcast. Well, what else did you think I was talking about? The <laughs> monkey's career? They did a bunch of like Neil Diamond songs from his Tin Pan Alley days. And what? Okay, okay. I just, I, what are your thoughts on uh, Tom Jones? Tom Jones is awesome. Okay, that's the correct answer. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I just heard, I just heard, I, I knew the song sounded familiar. I heard it at work and it was a uh, treater, right? And um, it, it's got this horn section. And I knew I'd heard it before, but I couldn't place it. And I had a guy Shazam it for me. Cause I don't like these data, you know, at work. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm just a working class guy here trying to sell some posters. And they got this recession uh, on. They got this, they got this stagflation on. <laughs> and so um, uh, we, so anyway, what it was is, have you seen the YouTube uh, video, Tom Jones dances like hell? Mm -mm. Oh, well, it's that song and it's amazing. And first of all, it's a great song. He sings it great. He, he's not the guy that made it famous, but it's from his TV show. He sang, he sang great. Uh, the horns were terrific. The band was great. And it, there was truth in advertising that day, boys, because Tom Jones danced like hell. Yeah. He, he was really, he was really something. So um, I don't, I actually, I mean, his greatest hits, I prefer to make my own Tom Jones playlist. I don't really need to hear the ballad of the Mexican puppeteer or whatever stupid thing that is. And, you know, 
I long to touch the green, green grass of home, which I always thought meant Kentucky, but, um, you know, he was Welsh. So he may have wanted to go see uh, Mary and, uh, uh, you know, use the pippity poppity poo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, maybe, uh, maybe next week I'll read some of my favorite passages from, uh, the Tom Jones biography, uh, 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 memoir. Uh, it's around here someplace it's called like Over the Top or something. Uh, he spent some time uh, selling some Electrolux vacuum cleaners. Did he really? He did. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if he stayed married. I don't know uh, how any of that worked, but he. Uh, uh, he, I mean, he was married young, and he was trying to make a living in Wales, which I'm under the impression has essentially never, ever, ever been easy. It sounds Tom like... Jones, who was married for forever. What's that? He, Tom Jones is one of those who was married to the same woman his whole, pretty much his whole life. She died recently. Oh, did she? Yeah. Did she? Uh, yeah. They stayed married for a very, very long time. His, his persona was of a guy who could who 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 could who did okay with the ladies so if he if he was if he was married for a long long time then you know bless his cotton socks um but he um you know he you know he's he's still doing it i, I mean and in fact, last year he was down in McAllen, Texas, which is down on the on the border. And I almost took Mrs. Winger, because I mean, you're really kind of running out of opportunities to see Tom Jones. So I don't really feel this way about the Who and the Stones. But of course, why would I? I saw them in the '80s uh, in Boulder. Um, but also, I don't think Tom Jones is the same kind of entertainer that you know, Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey are, you know, I mean, Pete Townsend simply can't jump around like he used to. Mm -hmm. um, Roger Daltrey simply doesn't have the voice that he, that he, you know, such a powerful voice like, like he did. So, um, you know, Tom Jones is more of a, uh, I don't know, more of like a Vegas show, I suppose with, you know, where, you know, I would, I, needless to say, I would wear a tie to a Tom Jones show, wouldn't wear that. Wouldn't wear that to Rod Stewart for heaven's sake. If you're Jones. wondering, do I do I like Tom. Rod Stewart? I like some Rod Stewart, but you know what? Some guys have all the luck, can just go across the street with Jane Fonda and slit its wrist because that's a stupid song and stupid for Rod Stewart to be singing it. Guys like married to a supermodel, and before that he was like, oh, it's unbelievable. You know, Dude. he was like great. He was Fredo in Vegas, okay? And then, and now, you know, it's like some guys have all the luck, really? Where do you get the nerve? Where do you get the nerve to sing a song like that? Um, Somebody Tom trying Jones, to say something? Tom Jones is 82 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, not unlike my dad. And Rod Stewart is huge into model trains. No way. You could have just yeah, said seriously. models. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
all, all models. He's into all models. The train form, the human form, yeah, whatever. Airplane. Yeah. No, seriously, he's got this massive setup in his home. And I think there was a story when he moved. I don't know if he was living in the States or he lived in London. He moved back to wherever his, wherever his other home, maybe back to Scotland or something. Uh, yeah, there was a big story about how he shipped his huge indoor model train that he'd got and sort of accumulated over the years. And it was, it was very impressive. So, yeah, obviously having model trains in the family, Jeff, I thought you would appreciate that. Yeah, well, yeah, because... Um, you may have bought some of uh, Justin's stuff, you don't know. Paul's other uncle and my brother-in-law. Uh, I don't think he's claimed me. I don't think he's claimed me. He's, he's, he's definitely my wife's aunt's husband still. Well, let's... <laughs> Let let Kiana get let your wife get weepy on him, and I mean he's not gonna have a problem with it. Kiana's like the family's everything. Well, no, it's not. But I like you. But don't screw it up by crying. <laughs> let's just look. Just like let's just not cry right now, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, maybe you'll get the upgrade, Denise, and then you know Paul. I actually think Paul should be my nephew-in-law, but whatever. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for simplifying. I don't care if that helps. <laughs> Ryan, anything the... else? Okay, so, so Rod Stewart, soccer yeah. and model trains? Yeah, and models. Yeah. So he, okay, so he have, you know what? How does he have time for anything else? <laughs> exactly. Well fellas let's face it rod stewart's been phoning it in for a while i mean he like did like those great american songbook albums you know where you know you just show up and you do your version of someone to watch over me and i say again you've already got sinatra what do i need it what you know that's like it's like saying it's like well you've already got michelangelo but you know if you want if you want to go shopping at Michael's for some stuff to hang on the wall too, I mean, that's fine. Michael's says Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby, you know, they've got like a lot of uh, weather vane motifs with, uh, with a very patriotic bend. So what's not to like about Hobby Lobby art? Same stuff. All right. I feel like I could have been funnier by being angrier if you guys had just played along a little bit. <laughs> Kept feeding you things that you hated. <laughs> if, if, you know, this show could have been, and by the way, Brian, I don't know if you see this here. I've got my copy of Anthony Beaver's book, The Fall of Berlin, 1945. Uh, Shocker. <laughs> I've got, I've, I've, if you want, we could just conclude with a couple of pages of the Russians raping their way through Berlin. Would you like that? No, that sounds dreadful. <laughs> I think this I episode think of the Managing Expectations podcast has been brought to you by ourselves at managingexpectationspodcast.com. Also, mrswinger.com. Uh, all in a dream. Uh, all in the dream.us was it all in dream comics all in the dream.us and then uh, check out chris levine's refresher pop 
culture therapy podcasts wherever you get awesome podcasts like this one we as always would appreciate it if you shared liked subscribed uh mostly share with people though we think that's really cool um we we have no we have no illusions about doing this for money uh but if you dig what you're hearing uh then we'd ask you to share it with somebody else who would uh, pick up what we're laying down am i right boys that's right no so uh okay well this just ended the news desk well break it I, I feel like we really missed an opportunity to talk about the new Elvis movie sponsored by, or that was directed by one of Jeff's favorite directors, Baz Luhrmann, but maybe we'll save that for next time. I hate Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> okay. He, he was great. Strictly ballroom it was funny and family friendly. And it was, you know, a, a little weird, but it was great. Okay. And then I think, didn't he do that dreadful Romeo and Juliet in the 90s with Claire Danes and Romeo DiCaprio, okay? So that was like the noisiest piece of junk I'd ever heard in my entire life. Moulin Rouge, didn't see it, seemed, seemed stupid, okay? Then he did The Great Gatsby, again with Leonardo, looked stupid because it was like this big flamboyant, buoyant, you know, like just like Busby Berkeley thing with like huge sets and lots of dancing. He did Australia. Did I watch Australia? I did because Australia is awesome. But you know what's not awesome? That movie. So uh, it had it had the longest, most awkward shower scene with Hugh Jackman taking a shower that I can even imagine. It made, it made the volleyball scene in Top Gun seem like, you know, a John Wayne, Gary Cooper training film or something. It was, it was, um, well, Nicole Kidman was pretending to have eyes for, um, what's his name, uh, Hugh Jackman, but I think the director absolutely did. Uh, Hugh Jackman's a song and dance man, you know. He he's uh, uh, right. and, and yeah, he's a he's a he's a good looking he's a good looking fella. But I don't need to see him shower for what seemed like an hour and twenty minutes. Okay, uh, and then and that brings us to the new Elvis movie. You know, look, obviously this guy Baz Luhrmann has people who want to like work with him because Tom Hanks plays Colonel Parker, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Not going to do it. You know what? Didn't see Polar Express. Just because it's got Tom Hanks in it doesn't mean that I'm in. Okay. Also, Colonel Colonel Tom was kind of a jerk. I mean, he yeah. got Elvis going, but then he like ripped Elvis off. So, I mean, it, that that's a hard one because without Colonel Tom, it's hard to imagine like I know him. Without Colonel Tom Parker, uh, it's hard to imagine. I don't even know if the guy was like a real colonel. For all I know, he was like a colonel, the same way Colonel Sanders was a colonel. All right. So uh, Tom Parker, without him, I'm not sure. 
you you and Chris Galley are calling into question. Yeah, I don't know military I don't, service. I got to ask Chris, Chris Galley knows everybody who was who was in the military. Uh, so so he would know whether or not uh, Colonel Tom Parker was an actual military man. But uh, you know, without him, Elvis doesn't get on the map. But then he takes advantage of Elvis. And it seems like there should have been something more equitable. So. Uh, that having been said, no, I do not like Baz Luhrmann. I do not like him, Sam. I am. I, 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 I do not like him with Oscar Power. I do not like him watching Hugh Jackman shower. This has been the Managing Expectations podcast. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> <laughs>